We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what is going on? How you doing? Welcome to Talking Buffalo, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in, whether you're watching this on YouTube, whether you're listening to this on any of our audio platforms. I appreciate all you. It is, well, this is dropping on Wednesday, back to a normal day. And as always, I am joined by my good buddy, Aaron Quinn from Cover One with that beautiful Yo, smile right there. What's going, on? On. what's going on, buddy? How you doing, man? Good morning. I'm way behind on everything. I'm working on my sign here because uh, I usually do my setups for your show here. And then I keep it mostly up for the week and do it for our show mm-hmm. as well. And I didn't get my sign changed. And I let the kids mess around with it. And there were some like ridiculous scribbles <laughs> and pictures on there. So I was cleaning it off. So I apologize for the delay this morning. But I'm here. We're back at it. It's the weather, dude. Like. I'm walking my kid to school now instead of driving them. I'm enjoying the weather a little bit, watering my grass. I'm behind the ball. I'm getting used to this new uh, new look Buffalo lifestyle. I mean, you didn't uncover any stones last week, but you talked about how, you know, this weather's going to turn sooner or later and it's hey. starting to now. And it, God, man, it's just such a, I just feel like you come to life as, as the weather gets a little bit better because it's just been just a goddamn gloomy ass uh, spring. But anyway, so yeah. Aaron and I tape this in the morning. Um, Aaron, you know, takes his kids to school and then we find that gap where we can squeeze this in. I say it all the time. So if anything crazy happens to happen sometime during the day on Tuesday and you're listening to this on Wednesday, that is why we did not, uh, cover today. The primary focus uh, of this episode that I want to hit on are five things that for me, at least anyway, surprised me most about the Buffalo Bills offseason, the biggest developments that I thought were a surprise. So we'll spend some time talking about that. For that, though, Aaron, one thing that, well, we have a lot of things in common, but one thing that we definitely have in common is our love for music, specifically Mm. hip-hop and, you know, like 90s to maybe like earlier 2000s. 88 to like 2003, I think, is your sweet spot for that. You know, it's funny. I I talked, like, for an example, I'm in a a media dynasty uh, fantasy football league, and like Bruce Nolan, you know, we get going, and you know how Bruce is, man. He can can really get going with those matches as we start talking football. You and I 
I'd say probably half of our DM exchanges on a regular daily basis are like links to Spotify songs or yep. just thoughts on music. You know what I'm saying? So I, I, that's one of the things I love if talking to you about. One secret about me uh, that maybe people on Twitter that follow me don't know is if you talk to, there's a few people out there and I think people would be surprised at who I just zip links to. It would be like five or six people <laughs> that I just DM and I'm that guy that just slides in people's DMs with Spotify links. And I don't care if you like it or not. Like, one of the biggest things that brings me the most joy in the world is sharing music with other people that they've never heard before. And then they enjoy sure. it. Yeah. Uh, it's like in food, food and music to me, like if you can share those with other people and they, it brings them joy like that lights me up, dude. Like that's you, the stuff you that send, does it for you me. send me a couple links from time to time of newer artists because you know, I'm not really in the today's music scene much, not necessarily brand new, but relatively new some sure. that i really like that i've never heard before someone like eh, whatever but I, you know i always like listening to new stuff and yeah i think i've got your style pretty well yeah, yeah, that's what i do sure. i find people's styles and i'll hit them with stuff that i think hey this person will like that and i think it's a good way um with friends things that are really cool about music pad we talk about a lot is it's a way to share with friends but also like the other day i was sharing you all those 90s songs yeah it, nostalgia nothing rattles the drugs that that come from nostalgia in my brain more than songs from yeah. growing up like it just, it'll bring me right back to sitting in my parents car in 1992 with the window rolled down like nothing does that songs and smells and it can't really replicate smells the same way so it, it really is fantastic and i'll share it with you all the time buddy yeah you know, i'll tell you what man music means so much to me i had a birthday party last weekend and Set it up with the bar owner. Didn't ask him for any drink specials. Didn't ask for anything like that. The only thing I requested specifically that would have me bring all my friends to his bar and give him the business for my little birthday gathering was music. Wanted mm -hmm. to have 80s music on. I, that was like my one demand. I was in an 80s music mood, very nostalgic. So anyway, let me ask you this. And then we'll jump yeah. into some Bill stuff. Yeah, I've yeah, got yeah, a lot yeah. of stuff I want to get to. But recently, and we didn't get a chance to talk about this last week, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame... 2023 um inductees came out and uh, i'll just on the music side i mean there's performance there's there's certain levels but kate bush cheryl crow missy elliott george michael willie nelson rage against the machine um i look at this list and, I, and i'm really happy for, for george michael it was a nice pleasant surprise and i was surprised that missy elliott got in one group not on here, and I, and I tweeted about this last week or two weeks ago, whenever it might have been, and you had a pretty uh, strong take on this, too. One that I agreed with, A Tribe Called Quest, not yeah. on this list. Um, you clearly think that they deserve to be in ahead of Missy Elliott. Got to elaborate on that for just a minute here. So <clears throat> this is tough. And so one of the people that I share music with often, I don't know if you your listeners or viewers here know left turn the uh account left turn they do uh bills graphics um they they make uh prints for every game they do a lot of t-shirts it's like a culture brand mm -hmm. great follow on twitter and instagram uh greg from there is a friend of mine and we go back and forth share a lot of music it puts out fantastic spotify playlists also by the way but we had this conversation at the same exact time you and i were talking about this because he pushed back a little bit on me and I don't disagree. My take on Missy Elliott getting in is a little bit twofold. One, it's just that her and tribe sort of are going head to head. It's like if you had two special teams 
players going up sure. for a Hall of Fame spot and Steve Tasker is one and Devin Hester is the other. Like, who is it that's going to break through first, mm-hmm. right? And my argument is Tribe, while not as probably successful in terms of overall record sales, and their career went a little short because they stopped making albums together and split a little bit and went off on other projects where Missy was a solo act and was able to become a producer and maybe has a larger body of work and more record sales overall. So I can see the uh, idea that she had a bigger impact, but I don't believe anyone at that time had a bigger impact on the shift in hip-hop and R&B and the merging of hip-hop and R&B and the induction of like jazz and some Mm -hmm. of these other things into hip-hop. Because if people remember at the time, and I think you remember, Pat, heavy west coast gangster funkadelic sure hip-hop east coast was real gangster at the time like it was a it was the rise of like who could talk about crack scene and the the streets and those things and that was fine and there was a place for it but there wasn't yet a really carved out niche for the other parts of the culture where it was more about positivity and that's always been my favorite message out of hip-hop is like this the positive hip-hop and they really brought that they weren't the only ones but there was this whole scene of the native tongues movement and uh the collection of some of the r&b artists at the time erica badu and the roots and they all started to kind of come from this what tribe really elevated to the scene and they had really good commercial success as well. They just didn't continue on uh, as well as Missy Elliott did. The argument I think left and made that's best for Missy Elliott is hip hop is very much um, man's patriarchy world where it is dominated by men and women hadn't really broke through. You had MC light, right? You had right. a couple sure. of women that queen Latifah had some popular success, but they never really were fully accepted where Missy Elliott really had her own voice in the scene. In my comment, I think I made was she kind of rode Timberland's coattails a little bit. Cause it's the same sound. And I can't be convinced that she didn't ride them a little bit, but she does. She did take that and break through a glass ceiling. And so as being a woman and being the first woman in rap inducted, I think does matter. I think breaking those glass ceilings does matter, but I have a hard time as a person that believes that I'm a connoisseur of hip hop. I do think, I think tribe had more of an impact on hip hop and the future sound of not just mainstream hip hop, but underground and R and B and the merging of those two worlds. Uh, you really saw it come to play after their rise to success. And I think they had more influence and their, their fingerprints still there. Let's make this clear too, and I'm speaking for you here, but I, I they're both deserving. You know, it's just yeah. it's kind of like say that cluster. I love Missy. Receivers. Remember when it was like Andre Reed and Chris Carter, and it was like Tim Brown. Like, who's going to get in for? Yeah. Ultimately, they all get in. I, I feel like both are very deserving. I tend to agree with you. You know, again, growing up, being a little older than you too, and in the '80s, early '80s, hip hop was awesome. It was more about like yo. I'm dope. I'm fresh. I'm fresher than you. I, I, I got, I make the most money. I got the best shoes. Kind of like bragging a little bit, but like in fun. And then to your point, it really shifted to hardcore, more hardcore rap and stuff like that. They were a great bridge, man. I, I absolutely love tribe call quest, big Missy Elliott fan as well. I, I like mm-hmm. that hip hop is, is really starting to get its due. I don't have to list in front of me, but like, I know. I mean, the Super Bowl season. last year was sure. Sure. All yeah. rap, hip hop, R and B, right? Like, yeah, I'm just talking about like the Hall of Fame itself. Now. Sure. Like, I know Run DMC's in there, no LL's in there, Public Enemy's in there, Eminem's in there. So, 
hip hop is really starting to turn a corner in terms of mainstream. And I know there's some people out there. I, in fact, I saw a couple of tweets yeah. pitching about it's the rock and roll hall of fame, not, you know, whatever, just change the name of the music. I'm like, no, it's still <clears throat> rock and roll is rock and roll, man. I don't care. And I think it still music. represents American music. Yeah. Hall exactly. of fame. Right. Like in American music raps, super big. My problem, the problem with these things, Pat, and this is argument that you and I constantly have on our lists that we make is music is super hard to define by popularity. And it sure. isn't always like, there's a lot of people that slipped through the cracks that had huge influences on like, um, if you talk to any person that's like really into hip hop, like MF doom should probably be in the hip hop in the rock and roll hall of fame. If you're going to start putting hip hop artists in there, but he probably will never because he won't meet the criteria in terms of the record sales and the sold out shows and things like that, that other big artists had. And I don't think it's anywhere more prevalent than in hip hop that good artists don't buy into maybe like punk rock where they don't buy into the mainstream like record label and how things are supposed to be like, there's more underground street, hustle and grind guys and some of them make it like Benny the butcher came up that way. And then he ends up on a big label, but most of them don't like, yeah. and there's a lot of good ones that slip through the cracks. So I think it's, it's tough to have those measures of success. Cause a lot of guys slip through the cracks that probably deserve their fair share. I'm sure there's an actual just hip hop hall of fame too, though, yeah. that I just don't know about. Well, you know, and that's hip hop. And again, I was, I was really pumped Shaka Khan, baby. to see, to see George Michael in there. Um, you look at a couple of omissions and there's always going to be omissions, just like with any hall of fame. You're like, well, how's this group or this person not in there? I think Cindy Lauper is deserving and she's not in and on the rock side and not that I'm really qualified to speak too much on like old school heavy metal, but, um, Iron Maiden's still not in. And that's kind of a, you know, again, I'm not no, at least culturally, like, I don't know much, but you see the shirts and stuff everywhere. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, that was, uh, this year's rock and roll hall of fame. The, the, the NFL schedule comes out, uh, so we're dropping this Wednesday. In fact, uh, the, some of the games we'll find out, actually, if you're listening to this on Wednesday today, good in the Bills-London game officially. Although, is it going to be delayed, they said, some of the, like, the full release, maybe? Uh, I think that's, well, that's supposed to be, I believe, on Thursday night. I don't okay. know if you saw this tweet, but there's some changes to uh, rules. I, I want to pull up this tweet from Adam Schefter. Um, other changes to the schedule this season. The NFL will have a Black Friday game for the first time ever. That's going to be really weird. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm, I hope the Bills aren't playing on Black Friday. I'm not, I, I, don't, I really I don't think the NFL gets too greedy with this. It I don't does. know what I don't know what the tipping point is, but at some point people are going to just reject because this when you put these highlight one games on, you have more likelihood you're going to have a dud. Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. Um, what else do we got? Games don't necessarily belong to networks anymore. All games are free agents. Okay, so no, no CBS we, with AB, with the AFC. Is that what that essentially Right, means? so AFC versus AFC is no guarantee that it's going to be on CBS. That's very weird. That's very weird. That. Did we slip into an alternate reality? That's I don't That's going to feel like one of those uh, Mandela in fact, effects where in like five years, it's going to be like, do you guys remember when CBS had the AFC games? And people will be like, no, they didn't. They never had those. <laughs> right, right, right. I agree 100%. So that is going to be weird. You know, we waited for, for years and years. The Bills stunk. And it was like you would never get Jim Nance and Tony Romo on a game. And now the Bills get them regularly. And people are like, oh, I can't wait to, you know, be on Fox and shit like that. So anyway, um, so that's a thing this year. Teams could be on Thursday Night Football twice. I hate that. And then the last one, not all teams are guaranteed to have a primetime spot. Good. I love that, too, man. Who, who wants to watch the Arizona Cardinals or, or the Tennessee Titans play on Monday night or Sunday night football, you know? So yeah. the only thing I will say, I then, with. 
The only problem I will have is, it, which I know they're going to do, is these big markets. The NFC East always comes to mind where now they're a little bit more fun, so I won't mind it going in this year. I think there's better matchups. But there's been years throughout my life where the NFC East has just stunk. And they yeah. it's been bad Thursday and primetime games like pretty regularly, probably more so than any other, because you have the Cowboys. You have these big market teams, the Giants, and everybody supposedly wants to watch them. Uh, I don't agree uh, with that. When they're bad, don't put them in prime time. Like let the people watch them in the middle of the day. I couldn't agree more. All right. So when it comes to the bills in the NFL schedule, and I know a lot of people are like, and they'll say, why do you care about the schedule? You already know who they're playing and you already know if it's going to be a home and a road game. And that is true, but the schedule still matters. And once it comes out, maybe next week, we'll have some thoughts. I'm sure what, depending on when you and Greg tape, I don't think the schedule actually would be out for that week, but I'm sure you guys will have plenty of thoughts too, but it does matter to some extent when you start to break down the schedule, because you'll notice like sometimes a team will be coming in on extra rest or you'll be playing short weeks. So there are times in a schedule where even if you know where you're playing, you know, you just don't know when it does matter. And for the bills playing in London this year, I'm not sure if you saw this, but, uh, they're, the stadium in London that they're playing at, it escapes me. I can't think of the name of the stadium right now, but they put tickets on sale or they put out a thing for, for tickets. <clears throat> yeah. And it's October 8th. You saw that, right? Uh, I saw something that. Yeah. Well, here- the, the Bills game is expected to be October 8th. You're listening yeah. to this on Wednesday morning, very likely, or maybe late Tuesday on YouTube. Um, we'll, You'll know Wednesday when the Bills are playing in London because they're announcing the London games on Wednesday. So this will be official, but sure sounds like they're playing October 8th. Okay. which this part I don't like, and I want to get a thought from you on this, because what that means is that they're playing in week five. And what that means is that after you play in London, you're pretty much guaranteed to be getting a bye after that London game. So that means the Bills' bye this year is going to be on week, in week six. Okay. How do you feel about that, having a bye week? that that's, that's pretty damn early, man. How do you feel about that? It's early. I mean, they had an early one last year too, right, after week six? Can't remember. It? It was early last year as well. I mean, it's going to yeah, happen. Right. Here's Trey, my... was supposed, Trey was supposed to come back last year after Dubai. But and it was okay. uh, kind of pr- really good timing for Josh's injury. Like it bought him a little time That's right. during that period of time. Uh, it, it was like, oh, if we can just get to that buy, right? And um, sometimes you deal with that where, I, I don't know, it's the luck of the draw. My thing on schedules in general is I think it's good once they're out. My problems with the schedule release stuff is NFL is crazy and we're full of wacky fanatics and the predicting schedules isn't for me. The hunting down investigative leads to like piece together the schedule isn't for me. If that's for you, no, I'm not knocking you at all. Sure. I I only care about the schedule when it comes out. I have no control over when those games are going to be. I will discuss it with Greg. After the fact, I'll come on and talk to you after the fact. Predicting games isn't for me at this point. Like, I think that's dumb. Predicting that's, rosters. That's, how, that's like, for oh, Howard Simon. <laughs> all, yeah, no. Yeah, he's cool. That's fine what he does. Like, because he does it also, he aggregates a full season and they keep yeah. track of it. And it's a shtick at this point. It's so cool. But for me, I'm not going to just start like, okay, now that the schedule's out, I see 13 and three. Like, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that is what bothers me. I think there's a conversation in here to be had about, like you're saying, like, uh, logistically. How do these games line up travel wise? How does this stuff line up? What do the bills have to look out for? How do they have to manage their roster to make it through that second? If they are having to buy there, you know, what does the roster look like and how are they managing that? Playing Miami, like that. playing Miami so early last year on a Sunday at one o'clock affected them physically. You know, the, 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 the weather was absolutely a big factor in that game too. So Huge. yeah, there, you know, so it, it does matter. It's just, it's beyond your control and you're going to have to play these teams one way or the other, but um, yeah. 
So anyway, sure. we'll we'll find that out, and maybe we'll have a couple thoughts next week. Not nothing big, and plus it'll be old news by the time we get together uh, mm-hmm. next week. All right. So this off season, it, it was it's been an interesting off season. It's, I don't know if it's been the most memorable, but there's been some things I think anyway that have uh, surprised me, and I wanted to kind of go through my top five things. Okay. And I don't know if these are necessarily in order. They're just five specific things that have five really random thoughts me. from Pat. Sure. Yeah, exactly. And I want to get your <laughs> thoughts on them. The biggest one, and I would I think you would agree that this is probably, if not one, certainly one of the two biggest developments this offseason. And that's Jordan Poyer resigning with the Buffalo Bills. Because I'm gonna tell you right now, dude, we spent some time getting ready for the offseason talking about is Tremaine staying, is Tremaine going? And we kind of landed maybe around 50-50. I wasn't surprised at all that he signed somewhere else and got paid. But I think, at least I did, I can't speak for you, so I won't. But it was a, I was, it was a formality to me that Jordan Boyer was going elsewhere based on maybe some comments he had on his podcast, based certainly on a lot of things that his wife was uh, tweeting about mm-hmm. and stuff like that on Twitter, based on what we thought the market would be. You know, Miami and Vegas and Dallas, lots of teams that appeared to have interest in them that were looking for safety. But as it turns out, their market never really materialized for him. And uh, long story short, which I think is a very good thing for the Bills, this is a a surprisingly pleasant offseason development, at least as far as I'm concerned. But Jordan Poyer re-signed with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, That that was surprising to you, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, it was. In hindsight... We probably should have had a higher likelihood. We always talked about it on our show as like, hey, there's a real chance here this market dries up, right? When you add up the optics of Jordan Poirier, when you take out like we're fans of the Bills, we understand the situation, who Jordan Poirier is. We understand um, where he came from, the type of snaps and the workload he had on his body when he got here, what he's been able to do since he's been here, sort of the freak injuries he dealt with last year and playing with some low tier four five six level safeties mm-hmm. and trying to piece that together and i think a lot of people conflated that recency bias with like hey jordan Poyer's starting to decline and he's a declining asset and i think that that was real in the league and you add up his age and you add up the injuries and then you take that little bucket and you add it to these optics of yeah, on his podcast, he talked about, although I do think it was maybe taken a little out of context, this idea that uh, the taxes in New York, he openly talked about that. And, it, you know, it, I think the question was raised to him, like, where if it's not with back with the Buffalo Bills, like that's off the table, where would you want to go? And he just said, hey, like maybe somewhere where the tax burden isn't so high. And I hate when players talk about taxes, but at the same time, like he wasn't shitting on the bills or ruling out the bills. I think that got taken too far. Um, it's, but the optics lined up the tweets, you know, her continuously talking about and retweeting Miami dolphins fans begging for him, which makes sense. Like if it's a loved one, they don't have loyalty to the team. They have loyalty to getting what's best for their loved one and their family. So optics didn't line up really great for him. And I think it was true in the league and in the market. And you saw safety get real top end, like we saw and the value wasn't there in free agency. And so he sort of missed out on the opportunity. Salary cap is real. Uh, Probably some teams that maybe were interested just couldn't really get to a level where the bills still could even uh, with the cap. And yeah, to your point, in, in terms of the biggest return, not getting Tremaine Edmonds back, but being able to get Jordan Poyer back is a huge win for this team because you could, in my opinion, you couldn't survive that type of gashing up the middle of your defense with Tremaine 
and Poyer and having to replace that. It's going to be a big lift to replace what they had do what they were doing in this defense with Tremaine Edmonds. I think they can get through it, but that's going to be a big task this season that a lot of energy and effort is going to be on not having to do that. Also at safety, I can't tell you how big of a win that is for the bills to not have to focus on that. And now it sounds like they've given themselves a little cushion. You've gotten Taylor Rapp in here on a one-year deal. You might be able to extend him to the future. That could be part of your future of safety. Um, and now you've also got DeMar Hamlin coming back from injury. And I don't, I wouldn't bet against him. Uh, I think he's a good player and can be a future role of the, what Jordan Poyer offered. So you might really be able to roll into a transition where dude, three months ago, we were nervous about what is the future of this position. We weren't even sure. We like, we're not sure how Micah Hyde's going to come back. And is Jordan Poirier going to be here? Who's going to be that safety? Now I think there's a little bit flush at the safety position. It was pretty cool. Yeah. In a two month turnaround. back near the end of last year and you got Jaquan Johnson and you got Dean Marlowe and you got Cam Lewis in the mix. So yeah, the upgrade is, is significant. And maybe and look, Christian I'm, Benford can be a hybrid back sure. and forth. Like we might even get more flush this summer. Sure. And I'm not, listen, I'm not hating on Rachel Bush at all for, a lot of her tweets during the off season. It's that's her husband. It's her man. And, yep. you know, yep. fans from other teams were clamoring for Jordan and she was kind of playing that flirtatious game, you know, with the her fault her and stuff. issue right now is also optics though, of like, she has so much like blocking bills fans and going at it with bills fans, whether right or wrong, whoever's in the right or wrong. And her there's politics. so much. Her, her politics could be a turn off to some for sure. Half the totally. country for sure. Totally. So you I know. don't think there's anything she can say now. That's good. Like there's a 65% of the pot, the bills fan base that is just going to be turned off or sure. take it the wrong way, no matter what it is. She says at this point, hundred percent. And you know what, when you, for better or for worse, when you take a strong political stance and you're open about it, whether it's the right, whether it's the left, it's just the way it goes, bro. You can say, say goodbye to half your fans because half of them are going to not stand you. That's just the world that uh, we sure. live in today. One final thing about Jordan Poyer. I, I think he was disappointed that the market wasn't more, you know, at the end of the day. But when it's all said and done, I feel like Jordan Poyer is very happy to be back in Buffalo. I feel like he likes... And, you know, maybe he doesn't love living in New York State. He certainly doesn't love the taxes. Maybe he doesn't like the weather. There's things about Western New York certainly to not like. But one thing I think he's always enjoyed playing for this organization, loves his teammates. I think he's a, think he's a great player on the field. I think he's a good asset off the field. He does a lot of stuff off the field. He's talked openly about um, problems with alcoholism. I, I think he's inspired a lot of people in, in yep. this community. And he's doing a lot of stuff now. i just seen he won an award for... Uh, Something mental health mental related health. Re- recently. Yep. So, you know, props to him. I, I, I think he's a good dude, and I do. I think he's genuinely happy to be back playing football, at least, yeah. in Buffalo. Jordan's so. a great dude. He's a really nice person. Agreed. Uh, he's been very accessible to us at Cover One, uh, whether it's asking him about just certain things and talking to him. He's always reached back out. I've done graphics for him and stuff. He's just a nice guy. He really yeah. is. And he's always been accessible, not just us, the Bills fans. In general, I've seen him doing community events and doing different things. And uh, he's always around do, doing that stuff. Uh, it, the Bills are lucky to have him back. Here's the reality of it, Pat. It's a business. He had an opportunity. His career lined up in a little bit of a weird way, right? He really had a battle to even get on roster spots early. Special teams guy. Big, devastating injury in Cleveland. Coaching staff shifts up. He mm-hmm. gets drawn from a coach that knew him in Cleveland, brought him to Buffalo, Really happenstance that Sean McDermott happens to be a great, this just ended up being a really great fit. He cashed in a little bit, but this was an opportunity. He, he developed into his prime so late as a player 
that didn't line up as it normally does for guys to cash in on that second contract in a big way. And he played into that second contract at that all pro level where you would cash in early. And so it just didn't line up now where he happened to get those injuries late in his career that look worse than they probably were to uh, people. He looked like a, a bit of damaged goods, I think in the market. And I don't think it's true. And so the bills lucked out here, but if you can't get the money, if you go on free agency, the next best thing is, you know, finishing what you started and doing it with your friends. Like he's absolutely happy to be back here. There isn't a better situation in the NFL. And I think he knew that it was, I have this one last opportunity to cash in. I would really like to do that. And I'm never going to blame fault a player or blame no. for that type of thing. The, the team is going to do that in the too. NFL, especially dude. in the NFL, dude, where a lot of the money, except for what's guaranteed, none of it's guaranteed aside from that. They'll cut you and not they, twice, man. I though I am sure that he knew that the Bills treated him as an asset even last year as he was playing hurt. I'm sure there was pressure for him to get on the field and be treated like an asset. This is a businessman. Yeah, the team will cut you without even blinking an eye. If you have an opportunity to get money, you got to go try to do it. Yeah, couldn't agree more. All right, so the next thing is I have a graphic if you're watching on the video side of Tremaine Edmonds leaving, but. That's not a surprise to me. I thought it was always 50-50. The Bills were going to have a hard time coming up with, you know, the money that Tremaine Emmons was going to get on the open market. This was just a guy who was still young, still ascending, hitting free agency at the perfect time, and he got his money in Chicago. Good for him. What yeah. is surprising to me, though, Aaron, is that this team really has done nothing externally anyway, nothing literally to – um to try to replace them. It certainly looks like now we're going into training camp soon. And unless, I mean, the bills could still, they'll keep their eye on the waiver wire in the summer. Sure. Who knows? A trade could pop up out of nowhere. You never know in the NFL, but as mm -hmm. of right now, you're certainly looking at incumbents, AJ Klein, Terrell Dodson, maybe second year guy, Terrell Bernard, maybe even Baylin Specter might be in the mix, but mm -hmm. it's a surprising development to me. Not that the bills necessarily lost Tremaine Edmonds, but that they didn't go try to get a stopgap guy, you know, a veteran from around the league, a, a name guy to fill in for maybe one or two years and draft young and kind of uh, well, start over. So that was surprising to me. A little bit. I The only thing I will say about this is it just, I think, lined up really poorly for the Bills this year because I think the plan was to try to keep Edmonds. I think they had probably a reasonably competitive offer here. The problem was is you had a team, the Chicago Bears, that run similar concepts and philosophy to their mm -hmm. defense. Ibraflus very much like Sean McDermott, in my opinion, um, and he saw the vision exactly as the Bills saw it for Tremaine Edmonds, and Chicago has a ton of money. And they're, they're in a different position in their team. They're where the Bills were years ago, where you're flush with cash, you got some draft picks, you've got to rebuild with a young QB. It made sense for them to go a little bit more all in than the Bills were going to be able to do. So uh, that didn't line up well for the Bills. The other thing that didn't line up is free agency class was not very good for replacing linebackers. We do know the Bills at least reached out to Levante David. We don't know sure. the extent of the interest or if an offer was made or anything like that, but they at least had those conversations. I'm expecting there were more. I'm sure they were in on other players, but I don't know the level of interest based on there wasn't a high quality of talent outside of Levante David, really. I know a lot of people like Bobby Wagner. There's a huge decline for him there. Um, and then you go to the draft. And again, I think they... Uh, were unlucky in that a year that they lost their middle linebacker freak athlete. There's really only one to replace. So people can talk about Drew Sanders. People can talk about Trent Simpson. I kind of don't want to hear that that was like an acceptable level of replacement. 
whether or not Detroit went way too high on Jack Campbell or not, we can debate that all we want. But the fact is, is somebody in the NFL viewed him as a first round grade and they gave him a first round uh, talent on it. And it what the Bills never even got the opportunity to make that decision. So I don't know if they would have been in on that player to try to replace Tremaine. But now what we do know with all those things that didn't line up good for the Bills to get to this void at middle linebacker, you still did make some investment. I don't think that the argument could be made that there's been nothing done uh, to fill this gap because you did make a third round pick in Terrell Bernard last year, whether or not that was for a future Milano replacement. He did play some middle linebacker in the preseason. So they were prepping some of that role, even if it was just rotational, but that's a third round pick. That's significant. Then you did it again. You went and did it again this year with another third round pick. So that's back to back third round picks. That's, not a high-end investment. You're not replacing him with the same type of investment you made in that position previously, but it's not nothing, right? And sure. Bale Inspector is a low round pick, but that's not that you have three recent draft picks, development, prospect, time, energy that you're putting in on this. All I can think of is the Nate Geary, the time, the energy <laughs> rant yelling about me. But it, it's true though. You do have you have to think of these things as asset allocation. And they have some assets in this room including a veteran incline that they're going to try to piece something together and it's not going to be perfect but i don't think they didn't do anything here i'm glad no 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 no. i'm glad you're right about jack campbell we'll never know you know what the bill's level of interest is i am very happy that drew sanders was available in round two because that puts the bed you know there was a lot of talk that there's probably two linebackers maybe that are potential starting middle linebackers in the NFL, he ends up going round two to Denver. Drew and maybe he'll be good. Yeah. yeah, maybe he will be. But I, I like the fact that the Bills had a crack at him. So if they wanted him, he was theirs. And instead, yep. they took the guard, um, Osiris Torrance. So I'm kind of glad. Well, it's going to be this summer, and I, tons of time to talk about what's coming up this summer. But it's going to be one of the more intriguing, not just roster battle positions in camp, but also just schematically what they might be doing if they're going to be doing something different. Um, I am to start free agency. I was really th- thought they'd get Tremaine back. So I didn't think about it a ton when they lost Tremaine. I was so scared and nervous about what was going to happen to this defense today going into camp. I think I'm more excited about how it'll play out than I am nervous. If, if that's, that's fair, that's... I think that's fair that I'm more excited about, Hey, can one of these guys get to the higher end of their athleticism? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, I am back here with Aaron Quinn from Cover One. All right, so we've covered two. The, the third one to me that was... Uh, surprising and i'm just going to be blunt i don't this isn't a pleasant surprise but the bills have done a lot they've added at wide receiver they took a tight end in the first round they've really solidified the interior of the offensive line they signed puna Ford last week i think which is a a great addition um to the defensive line they bring back their safeties so there's a lot of positive developments here the one thing that does surprise me with the bills on the offense that i'm not personally a fan of is Spencer Brown not being offered, at least as things stand today, no, I don't even want to say no real competition, no competition, period, because David Quisenberry is not going into camp and winning the starting right tackle job. It's just not going to happen. So essentially the Bills have handed Spencer Brown the starting right tackle job for 2023. Now we've heard Brandon Bean talk about multiple times during the offseason. Maybe this shouldn't be a surprise, especially if you took Brandon Bean and his word. Um, I'm just, I'm surprised and, and like I said, a little bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. If there was one thing the Bills did in the draft that I really hated with this pick of Dorian Williams, it's not that I hate Dorian Williams, the football player. Maybe he turns out to be something. I'd love to be wrong, but I see the Kansas City Chiefs literally the next pick trade up and go get an offensive tackle, Wanya Morris. I hate the fact that the Bills, long story short, I'm rambling, that the Bills did pretty much nothing to uh, even offer legitimate adequate competition for Spencer Brown going into camp. I don't like that. I'm with you. Um, I, it was a spot that really post free agency. I didn't see an answer for that type of competition in free agency. Again, I thought this was a weak class. I like this draft class though. And I thought it ran a little bit deep into those third, fourth round picks where you can mm-hmm. get a guy that could at least push coming to be a young competition that could at least Hey, we got a developmental guy that if, at least if Spencer Brown doesn't work out, we got a plan for next year. we got something in house. That's more. My concern is I'm fine with them being a little higher on Spencer Brown than I am. I don't, if there's a one flaw of being that I'm really frustrated with, it's been their overall philosophy in the offensive line, how they've put together offensive lines. Like, I will give them credit. I think they address the interior offensive line in the more meaningful way than they've done since I've been following, uh, you know, covering this team. That's sure. been one I've been, yeah. I think nobody probably benefited more from free agency than Mitch Morse. I think that, you know, he finally got some decent level starter players next to him that maybe he'll have a good season there. Agreed. I also, uh, my football philosophy has always been, I say this all the time on our show, Pat, that, uh, I believe you can have one weak link. I do. I think you can hide that. You can send help. You can chip. You can do some things. The Bills problem has been they've had two to three leaky spots on this offensive line over the last year and a half. And so if the interior offensive line really is addressed the way that I think it is, I think that's going to help the Spencer Brown project a little bit. Me, I'm going to give Bean some of the benefit of the doubt, knowing the medicals a little bit more and say that the 
way his athleticism shows up and presents itself on film, uh, the lack of things that I'm seeing maybe is from the back injury and maybe from the recovery and the surgery. But for the way he plays and the, the height he is and the way he lacks getting pad level against real good edge rushers, I don't think that's a problem that can get fixed. Um, if it was the back injury, I'll concede that, uh, hopefully this year, but I have some concerns just about his size and frame and the way he plays with it, that I don't think he's the prospect they think he is. I think beans missed on some of this stuff. Obviously the Wyatt Teller trade does not look good in hindsight, uh, for them. And they've just, uh, Cody Ford, the investment there. I think when I heard Brandon Bean talking about Spencer Brown, a couple of red flags went up in my head about the same kind of way he was talking about Cody Ford. And maybe this is kind of a Achilles heel of their scouting and their process is getting the right guys in place. I still believe Aaron Cromer is a really good coach and he can work some of this in and get the best out of these guys. So this is the big year and you're right. They didn't do enough to address it. So there's a lot of pressure. You look at the middle linebacker position on the defense side of all, that's going to be the story all camp. Spencer Brown and his development. I don't know that there's a bigger spotlight on this team and on this offense than the right tackle position. It's such an important position. And I want to be clear too. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not done with Spencer Brown. You yeah, know, yeah. I just to, to you. To I you want know, him to work out, right? We would sure, <laughs> that's a case scenario. To some, to some extent, I, I will put some stock and give, like you said, of some benefit of the doubt to um to Brandon Bean here. But you know, like when you look at the interior of the offensive line, as things stand right now, the way it's probably gonna play out. You got Ryan Bates, Edwards, and Bacher. None of them are starters. That's good. That's a good thing. That's pretty good goddamn depth in the inside. Let's remember last year, like that Miami game, you got Greg Van Roden playing critical snaps, mm -hmm. stuff like that. You don't want to see that. But now you look at the tackle position. I just, there's, I, I'm not inspired at all by David Quisenberry. And I hope oh, I'm wrong, backup. but That's I haven't even mentioned depth. Tommy Doyle. Yeah. You know, I just, I don't know. I haven't really seen anything that's going to give me a lot of faith in Tommy Doyle. I'm sure. just, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised that the Bills didn't do more to address right tackle. And they did a hell of a lot to address the interior, which is great. And I do like that. Just wish they would have did something. I get it. But I tackle. do think there's a point where we have to, again, frame this in the reality of how the NFL exists. Like the way the NFL is structured is you can't do it all. They don't want teams to be Fair. complete. And there has never been a team in the history of football, even those Patriots that went 18 and one that went into training camp and went into a season where the fan base wasn't concerned about a position or had something like we're really pinpointed on a couple of spots where it's like, man, I'm a little concerned here. Can this work out here? It's not the end of the world. Here's another way to frame it too, man. I do think people should look at, and I'll try to share it with you so you can put it in the show notes. I forget who did it. They did a chart of like, I think it was based on PFF grades and ESPN win rate, which I, I don't love those, but we can talk about that again, but that's an aggregate of good enough data where you can compare and right tackle was by far the weakest position um, across the league, really. And if you look at the AFC East, it's not much better than what the bills had. Like as worried as we are about Spencer Brown, he still got, uh, he displays upside that there's some value there. We had Joe Marino on and I told him, I was, I'm not on Spencer Brown. You got to tell him, you got to sell me on it. He didn't sell me on it, but the best case he made was like, yeah, it's bad, but it's not as bad as everyone else. Like, yeah. like there's a right tackle play in the it's NFL is not great. It's kind of like when people who who bitch that Gabe Davis is not a good number two receiver. It's like, all right, we'll go yes. look at all the number two receivers around yes. the league and then come back and tell me that same thing. I get that. And you're also right, too. You can't address every single thing. So, sure, if they go get a solid quality depth right tackle or swing tackle, let's say that. Maybe that comes at the expense of not uh, being able to sign Puna Ford. 
you know, or maybe you don't go get the maybe Ryan Hardy. Bates is your good swing tackle. I said that last week. You want to talk about a potential future episode where we're talking about training camp surprises. Maybe Ryan Bates ends up playing some offensive tackle and maybe we see him if he can work out a right tackle. I wouldn't completely write it off. I wouldn't bet on it, but I, I wouldn't completely write it off either. If he's not that, like that's probably the high end worst case scenario if he doesn't win the position uh, early on. The other great position the Bills are in with this offensive line is if he's your just backup swing player, that is so versatile for game day decisions where you have a guy that can snap the ball and yeah. all the way through to play tackle. Like yeah. then you end up in that Miami game and you have so much versatility. I love it uh, going into it. That that's a real plus in the NFL. I think offensive lineman number six is a sneaky new value position along the league because there's just not a lot of offensive linemen. If you can have one that plays multiple positions, man, it buys you so much flexibility. I couldn't agree more. And that's part of the reason why I was a big fan of them drafting Osiris Torrance because that yeah. very likely is going to make Ryan Bates up. That guy. All right. So Swiss we got Army two, knife. Yeah. Yeah, sure. And we got two more, right? And we're not going to spend yeah, yeah. a lot of time talking about these two in part because these were stories that we've covered on this podcast before. But one of them, was Leslie Frazier departing. Not so much that Leslie Frazier left. Like, if you would have told me after that Cincinnati game that Leslie Frazier wouldn't be back this year, I would have been like, all right, well, I'm not really all that surprised. The surprising sure. thing was that he left in uh, that he left in February. Sure. You know, that was late in the year. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And then the other thing is um, the Bills just taking a tight end in the first round. It's funny, you know, you and I do this six-week mock draft series. And, uh, you know, we play the board the way it turns out. And we just always seem to have a really good offensive tackle available for us in the first round. We took wide receiver a few of the times. I think 99% of people who were doing the same things that we were doing were thinking along the same, you know, the same way. Mm -hmm. Bottom line is tight end was not talked about much at all as a possibility for the Bills. But the way the board played out, the tackles are gone. That wide receiver run four straight from 20 to what, 20 through 23. As you know, Jack Campbell gone. There weren't a lot of options out there. And the Bills ended up taking a tight end, which, you know, we've said this. He's not just really a tight end. He's a big slot receiver. He's going to do a lot of things. I hate strapping the word just tight end on him because it feels like it shortchanges him. But uh, it's certainly, and we'll see how it plays out, Aaron, but it is certainly surprising. Well, surprising now. Yeah, it's surprising in hindsight again. We keep saying that. But uh, and again, the problem with this one is it doesn't fit cleanly into a box. And that just makes it really hard to have a conversation about this on Twitter, because for some folks, if things don't fit real clean, there's too much unknown and that's uncomfortable and they don't like the unknown. For me, both these things wrap into what I think I'm most excited about for this offseason, which when we ended the season, the way it ended, my biggest takeaway was there's some real structural changes that I need to see from both sides of the ball from the coaches. Like they can add whatever they want for talent. Um, I think they got enough. My, my thing was you can run it back. If you get the coaches to do the things that I think are necessary, you have the talent. I don't think the lack of talent has ever been the issue the last couple of years. I think the progress of the coaches and the development of some of what they do has been an issue. I can give Ken Dorsey a little bit of leeway of being a first-time play caller. There's that. Uh, Leslie Frazier, as much as I've advocated for him, and I still think he's a really great coach. I really do. I think that his career, when it, you put him on par um, with, oh my God, man, I'm drawing a brain fart of, uh, what's his name, from Miami now, um, the other old 
coach. Um, Jesus, I'm having Big a brain Fangio. Fight. Fangio. When you put him on par with Fangio, I think that they're very similar coaches and they had very similar success in the NFL. They're just perceived differently. But the way this team performed against Cincinnati, it was an overcoaching of a defense where they tried to put players in positions. And I think they overcoached and didn't let players play fast. And, and it, you saw it play out in a team that was just playing slow against a team that was picking them apart, playing fast. And that to me was enough to have that moving on from Leslie. I would have been fine if he came back, but okay, I'm ranting here. Long story short, both of these connect to me because it talks about a real philosophical change that I think yeah. that has to come. The bills are now forced to make, Sean McDermott's calling the plays. He calls games different than Leslie Frazier has historically. We're forced to move on from Tremaine Edmonds. Things are going to change fundamentally about how this defense operates. I think that's a good thing. I think they needed a force change to shock the system, do some different things, put it out there. Offensively, getting this type of personnel, the wide receiver, uh, hybrid tight end, and using that type of asset on them is going to force some change. And I think people are saying, and I'm one of them that, you know, uh, Dorsey has to prove that he can use these types of things. And will he do 12 personnel? Eric Turner's gone back at their uh, Shula and Dorsey's days in Carolina and shown that they were highly using 12 personnel. And that's kind of where their offensive philosophies are rooted in. They just didn't have it last year. And so now they have the tools. You have to assume that philosophical changes come. They've gotten bigger, whether they wanted to or not, with Torrance. That's going to be present a more physical aspect to this game. Latavius Murray being a signing right after. Like they're showing signs that on both offense and defense this is going to be a very different looking team. And I do think it was needed. So I think both these final stories, you said maybe these aren't that big, but to me, it's the most exciting part of this off season is we have a lot of guesses. I think Eric's guesses are probably the closest to right about what these things are going to look like, but we really don't know until we see it. And I don't know if we'll see it even this summer. It might not be something till the season really ramps up to what we see these team, the offense and defense philosophies can be, but I'm the most excited about that because I think that's what's going to be the thing that gets the Buffalo Bills over the hump to being up there with Kansas City. I think they've been out coached at times in those bigger moments up with the Bengals. Uh, and so this is the move that might have needed to happen to, to get there. I'm going to be honest with you, man. I I like Dalton Kincaid, and I didn't talk about him much during our six-week series because I just didn't think the Bills there was any way they sure. were going to take a tight end in the first round. But I read about him. I knew about him. I watched some of his highlights and stuff on YouTube. I read about the uh, Travis Kelsey traits, you know, being kind of traitsy like him along those lines. I just, I just didn't think that it was something that would uh, happen. I think we covered everything. No, that were like surprises. Maybe Demar Hamlin coming back already announcing that he's going to play again. That might be a, a little bit of a surprise, but a, a, not a complete surprise. <laughs> no, if you know him a little, I'm not that I know him, but people who do, you know, it's just, it's like if he could play, he was going to, and he's going to give it a go. So, you know, that's good. But we pretty much covered everything. There wasn't some, I mean, there's, listen, there's lots of developments. We could spend hours talking about them, but sure. ones that maybe were surprising, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, not Bill-centric. Right. I can think yeah. of now. All right. Well, I, well, let's finish up. We haven't been able to do this in a while because of, uh, you know, our mock draft series for six weeks, but. We play this little game called Finish the Sentence, and uh, I got five for you this week. And I say this all the time, and this is just a, an opportunity to kind of kick back and chill a little bit, give fans who are listening or watching the show maybe a little more insight to, to, to you as a person beyond just talking uh, Buffalo Bills and football. So I throw together some random questions. I, I put together a sentence, and simply put, you're just going to uh, finish it. And then I will as well. So 
Let's get this going. The first one, and again, we got five. Uh, the first one today, a movie you watched as a kid that scared you and or caused nightmares is blank. Uh, I think this is probably very common. I think a lot of people are going to also have this one. It. It? It by Stephen King. Yeah, I don't. Oh, I, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, the clown movie. I think I d- believe I'm remembering this right. I got to go look it up. What year it came on. It was a big deal. It was on like primetime Sunday TV back to back weeks or something. Uh, and I remember it being a big deal because I was pretty young and they were like, hey, there's like kid violence in this. You probably shouldn't mm-hmm. let your kids watch this. My brother was older. And so I was watching it with him. That mother swear word in insert there, <laughs> dude, he was like he's like six years older than me. So I think he was like 12 or 13 at the time. He spent the whole summer, me and my little friends that were like little kindergarten, whatever, maybe second grader kids. And would was just scaring the sh- out of us. Be like, oh, I saw a balloon on the way past that uh, whatever sewer drain the other day. Like, I wouldn't go near there. And my friends and I, we wouldn't go near sewer drains. We were like refusing to shower. Our poor parents, like, we just wouldn't go near any drains. There was a fire in the woods once, and he's like, oh, that that's where the clown lives out in the woods or something <laughs> like that. And it, dude, it like ruined our summer. Um, so terrorizing that movie, and I wouldn't. I haven't even watched the new one because clowns. I just don't even. It, it ruined me once. I don't need it ever again. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to go to 1986 for my pick. Um, I don't. You. I don't even know if you've ever seen it. Witchboard. No. Fucking scared the shit out of me. It How old were you? Never want, it made me. It made me. Do I got to be honest with you? Uh, 14. 14. Going okay. on 15. Um. Yeah. It. It made me never want to be anywhere in the vicinity of a Ouija board ever. Oh. So. Yeah. That movie scared me. And then uh, the original, I was a very, very young kid, but uh, the original Halloween too scared me. I remember I've actually never seen it on my couch. Really? Really? Dude, I hate scary movies. I straight up don't. I'm like, not a fan either. I'm I don't like violence either. at all in any. I don't like UFC. I, like football is as violent as my life gets. I tell you what, dude, I, I'm the same way when it comes to like new age scary movies. I barely watch them. My son is like obsessed with watching them with his girlfriend. I'm like, why? Why? for what it just they're not for me either but come back to when i was a kid i watched some and which board scared the shit out of me all right next one up um something i just can't understand the popularity of is well it should be scary movies i didn't think about it right there yeah i know people love them i'm gonna say my answer is uh network television like okay. Big Bang Theory, like all the I used to like network TV when it was really like the only game in town. Mm-hmm. But there's just so much good content out there that's just readily available and accessible. And I don't know. Anytime I see a network TV show and people are like you got to watch this, it almost always certainly falls flat. I think like The Office, Parks and Rec, like those are the exceptions to the sure. rules with that. But it's more garbage than not. And it's just repetitive cookie cutter. They keep doing throwing the same stuff at people. and People just gobble it up. I I can't. I was thinking about this the other day. I didn't know what you were going to answer. I can't think of the last like really network TV show aside from I watched This Is Us on NBC that that I got into that was actually on a regular network. Mine is a TV show, but more I'm being specific here, and um, you agree with me because I guess the question is something you don't understand the popularity of. I'm sure you hear a lot about it or read a lot about it on Twitter, but I know you don't watch it. Succession, that show on HBO. We might fire it up here soon. Well, it's so mixed. Me, it seems like the most, 
polarizing show because it, I, my uh, my wife was like, oh, people are talking about it at work. And it was like 50-50. People are like, oh, that show sucks. Or some people love it. And I see it on Twitter. And everyone I've talked to, I've gotten the same reaction, 50-50. So I'm intrigued. I don't know. Well, I watched the first episode. The me. first episode sucked. We watched it a while back. It was terrible. And I'll tell you this. So the writing is good. The dialogue is good. I'm going to give them my wife credit like for that. that. It's exceptional writing, exceptional dialogue. It's just boring and it's tough to be getting into a show. Well, it's been boring. It is, the last yeah, season's yeah, yeah. heating up, though. I'll give I'll give it credit. But overall, it's been a boring show. It moves at a snail's pace, and literally every single character on the entire show is utterly unlikable. Like, don't even have redeeming traits either. They're all hundred percent unlikable. And it's exhausting getting into a show where you don't have nobody to root for at all. Nobody. There's no good guy, bad guy. They're all bad guys. It's just about greed, family power, money, all that stuff. I don't know. Anyway, to your point, I've seen people saying this is the greatest TV show of all time. It's not. Not to me, it's not. So anyway, I, yeah. I, I'm answering the question by saying I personally don't understand the popularity of it. Um, yeah. All right, let, let, let's move on to the next one. Something I thought was a rich people thing when I was a kid is blank. Uh, HBO. HBO? And like pay-per-view. <laughs> getting pay-per-view stuff okay. like we just my dad my parents are very working class we just didn't have there was no extra we had cable right when internet came out we got internet but we didn't get like any extra stuff um and my dad would like all the wwe stuff we would watch it a week later he had a guy at the shipyard that he worked at that would buy the pay-per-view like everyone would give him five bucks or whatever and they would get a vhs Sure. Recording of it like a week later. And so thank God the internet didn't exist during all those years growing up where I was watching WrestleMania a week or two after the fact. But yeah, no. And I remember the one time my dad, my old man, big boxing fan. He used to box growing up, like loved it back in the 60s, 70s. And uh, he bought the Tyson Holyfield fight on pay-per-view. We got the box. He went out and got everything and set it all up. And I've never seen him so pissed. I wish I had like a cell phone and stuff to record him yelling at Mike Tyson for like wasting his money on that fight. Cause we sat around all day. It was supposed to be the biggest, I mean, that fight, sure. the billing, you know, people only think about the him biting the year, but that was supposed to be like, these two are the top pinnacle of boxing going at it. And it just, he was pissed, dude. <laughs> I so got HBO to- having HBO's rich people stuff back then. I, I I got two, and maybe this first one might be uh you know us having like a decade gap in age. Maybe that's uh part of the reason it was more common maybe when you were a kid. But when I was a kid, golf. Nobody played mm-hmm. golf in the West Side. I grew up on the West Side of Buffalo. Ain't nobody played golf. I didn't know anybody who had golf clubs. Golf golf just felt like a a privileged rich person sport that uh poor people, average people didn't play. I certainly didn't. And none of my friends did either. Um, then the other thing this is going to sound dumb, but this was in my house. Anyway, you're talking about, you know, HBO is kind of like your house, my house with chicken wings Dude, When Ooh. I grew up, everybody had chicken. We never got chicken wings. I never had yeah. chicken wings growing up. Like my mother, my father would get pizza. Like we'd have yep. pizza night, but they never splurged for the wings. Yeah. So I was like, what are, we, we never, we, uh, we could appetizers. afford wings. <laughs> appetizers yeah. was going to be my runner up because if we went to a restaurant as a family and I, I was like, yo, can we get mozzarella sticks? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Unless it was like graduation or something like you did something real special. You're not getting an appetizer, bro. <laughs> um, and I will say though about golf, the age gap, I don't think it's, uh, was 
different when I, I started at a young age, but it was like a really weird happenstance and I didn't have the money to do it. And we played like in a really poor way, learn mm-hmm. the game. And it only happened. I swear to God, it only happened because Tiger Woods was really starting to come on. Yeah, and he, that I changed. Think. I was right at the beginning age wise right. of Tiger coming on. And that changed everything because a decade later, golf looked totally different in just 10 years. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why I said the age gap thing, because yeah, when I was yeah. a kid, Tiger Woods hadn't started yet. All right. right two more here. Um, a word or phrase that people use that I can't stand is blank. Uh, it's specifically because I got a seven year old right now and he mimics everything his buddies do. And it drives me bananas. Right. I love the kid to death, but he's got to stop mimicking his friends. And all these kids say bra like b-r-a-h to adults they do it to adults and I, there's nothing that grinds the gears in me like it just oh when my kid and i'm talking to him I'm like yo you got to stop doing this he's like nah brah <laughs> i just like my whole pat dude my brain just like short circuits i'm like what did this fucking kid just say to <laughs> yeah and like i have to like step away for a second it's just, it drives me nuts Get my, my son calls me player all the time that's not my way i are a little bit you know, of a player yeah, he's older now player. yeah he is he's 20 years old yeah like, you guys he, are buddies he, now that's yeah different. he's basically he's basically an adult um i hate the word yolo i uh, know no explanation sure. really needed yep. i just that, that phrase dumb. That word yep. annoys me. All right, last one here, and then we got to get out. An actor that played a role so well that you couldn't envision anyone else ever doing it is blank. I am going to cheat out, and I'm going to actually give you two answers. One answer is a total cop-out. The first mm-hmm. one is, and I think I've said it on this show before, the entire cast of every single one of the Harry Potter films. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched them, so I can't, I can't. Perfect all the way through. And if you haven't read the books... I say you read the books first and then watch the film and you'll be it'll just so it displayed exactly as I thought it would. And so I think that but then if I just select one, I'm going Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. Like that's a good one made for I couldn't see anyone, anyone ever being Tony Stark. My one very popular guy. So no surprise, but uh, James Galdafini playing Tony Soprano. I just yeah, he played him so perfectly that I can't envision that's anyone else. Omar, Omar Little. Oh, on, a, on the wire, on the wire. yeah, that was really good, like, too. Yeah, there's a few of those HBO ones that, yeah, for sure, nobody could replicate. <laughs> yeah, for sure. they do a great job. All right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. Um, make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn 716, cover one Buffalo podcast. Aaron and Greg every week, fact, check out their whole staple of lineup, man. It's so good. If these walls could talk, I see it all the time. People see love those on that show. I love that show, man. Love yeah. those guys, but uh. Anyway, man, thank you. Always appreciate having you on. Love it, man. Thanks for having me on, dude. All right, guys, and I will be back with a new episode on Friday. Talk to you then.